Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and with me today, we have a Buckeye and we have a Wolverine to talk through the Jim Harbaugh suspension, and we're also going to recap week 11, so I'm sure it won't get very nice when we get through week 11, but we do have Chris, the Wild Man Wilds, with us from the OHIO podcast, and Jason making his appearance, first appearance on the recaps from the Victor's nation and i'm gonna go ahead and let them introduce themselves and then we'll start getting into the stuff jason why don't you kick us off yeah jason robinson with the victor's nation go ahead and check us out on facebook twitter youtube tiktok and we also have a website as well too that we share articles for our wingmen including blue by 90 maze and pro and wolverine's wire sweet very cool all right thanks jason chris you want to tell us where they can find you at yeah, I am Chris Wilds. I am from the OHIO Podcast. And you can find us on YouTube at the Ohio Podcast, on Twitter at the Ohio Pod. We are on Facebook. Uh, our website is theohiopodcast.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Rumble, you name it. We are there. We are, of course, uh, also on Scarlet and Game. Um, we are associated with Scarlet and Game on fansided.com. There we go. Um, where you can read a lot of articles written by. Uh, my co-host Eric, as well as several other writers. And also, you can catch us here on Big Banner Sports, the home of the best conference in all of college football, the Big Ten. Very good. Yes, like like Chris said, we're brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. You can find us for all your Big Ten media needs. We have podcasts for every single team for football, working on getting all of them for basketball. But we are your one-stop shop for all things Big Ten media to uh, explore there. Hey, if this is you're watching this on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. And please give us a follow if you're listening on podcasts. And give us a rating. Let us know how you think we're doing. We'd love to improve, and we'd love to hear from you on what you think. Think about us. All right, enough of that fluff stuff. Let's get into it. All right. Our question that we're going to center around is Did Jim Harbaugh deserve to get suspended? So I don't know if you don't know what's going on. You've been living under a rock. Quick recap for you, I guess, is everything went down last week. Michigan's kind of been throwing some stuff out there about other people. Uh, Ohio State's been like, no, leave us alone. We don't want to get into this. And then Purdue and Rutgers are like, why are you bringing us into this? Uh, <laughs> it's all been kind of crazy. But the Big Ten did eventually rule on uh, a Jim Harbaugh suspension for the remainder of the regular season. Now, Michigan did try and get a temporary restraining order on that. However, that was blocked, kind of. There's still some some variance on, on what that was that I was trying to read up and understand it, but uh, there will be a hearing on Friday about that to see if they can get that injunction uh, to give Harbaugh back in this season for, obviously, the Maryland game and the big game to end the season, Ohio State. So, we're going to go ahead. We're going to start off with Jason. Jason, give us your feelings, your thoughts on did Jim Harbaugh deserve to get suspended? So I'm going to talk as a football fan and a, and a Michigan fan, obviously. I'm here for that. But I don't think he did. I do not think he did. I think this was very premature, especially kind of a crappy move to wait for him to get on the plane and also Veterans Day. So we did have judges, we did have federal, federal judges on standby for this. But at the same time, I think it was very premature. Big Ten did not have an investigation going on themselves. I know some of the evidence is there as well, too. NCAA has still an ongoing investigation, which currently right now, I mean, we're obviously going to see more from this, but currently right now, 
they're seeing does not have any dates with Connor Stallions, Jim, or any other active coaches and staff right now. So, like you kind of said, JR, I mean, that's the gist of it. It's a little gray right now on what's going on. Um, I'm not, no one knows right now what's going to happen. I think it's just kind of creating a, a bigger mess for college football and, and just the Big Ten in general. So we'll see where this goes. Do I think Jim knew about it? No. I don't think he knew about it, especially with an investigation already earlier this year that we just took the reins on at the university, suspended Jim for three the first three games of the season. I think if he knew about it, I don't think he's telling Connor to go any of those games or especially disguise it himself to go to CMU versus Michigan State. We just don't know really what's going on or what's going to come of this. We could see him on the sideline versus Maryland versus Ohio State. We could not. I don't I don't know, but in my opinion as a football fan and as a mission fan, what happened for Saturday for to jump on that plane, wait till Veterans Day to, to release this, I think it's a little premature. Now, do I think there should be something that comes out of this? Probably. Maybe. There is an NCAA rule that, I mean, it's your bed, right? It's your program. So we should have been on top of this type of stuff. It's a it's a really gray rule from the NCAA 2021. They were talking about diminishing it, quote unquote. They said that this wouldn't give a team even a competitive advantage. Put damn communications in the helmets. I mean, that's really the MLB all here. Uh, Jim kind of talked about some other schools being maybe pulled into this. Ohio State, um, Illinois, Rutgers, Ohio State. And um, Rutgers giving a spreadsheet to Purdue before the, the Big Ten championship game last year versus Michigan. It's technically still advanced stealing. It's just really weird on how Connor Stallions approached this, I guess. It's, it's a little different. But um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the information we're getting. What's the come of this? It's really gray right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, Chris, I guess you start with answering the question, did Jim Harbaugh deserve to get suspended? And then if you have any comments on what Jason said. No, he deserved to be fired. <laughs> Just cut and dry. Let's call it what it is. Let me lead with this. Do you agree that Connor Stallions is guilty of what he's what we've got going on here? I think there's enough you, information. I think there's enough information. Yeah. Okay. So okay, let's forget about the fact for a second that we're talking about Jim Harbaugh here, the guy who is responsible for Hamburger Gate, the guy who has got someone on his former member of his staff being investigated by the FBI for computer crimes. Let's just focus on Connor Stallions for a minute. Let's talk about NCAA bylaw. Number 15, lack of institutional control, because that's what this is. It has been a shit show up there since Harbaugh took charge. It has been a complete mess. And it it, it states that the penalty for lack of institutional control includes you could be given uh, probation, forced to vacate wins, a reduction in scholarships, and termination of coaching staff. He deserves to be fired. It's that simple. It's It's been a mess up there. And then as for the argument that it doesn't have any effect, let me just throw a few numbers out there for you. 
Jim Harbaugh before Connor Stallions was 69 and 24, averaged 33.6 points a game, gave up 17.8 points a game, which is a differential of about 15 and a half points. During the Connor Stallions uh, era here, he is 21 and 1, averaging 40.5 yard points per game. 12.4 points is all the opponents are averaging for a differential of 28.1. You know, people can say it doesn't, that, that they don't think it gives an advantage, but the fact is, it's real easy to play defense when you know, when you got the other team's playbook. Real simple. Have you ever heard of a guy named Don Brown before? So I completely disagree with everything you just you just said right there to to an extent. Don Brown, I loved him as a head coach. Hard nose, old school. I'm kind of like him in a way. The reason why my wife probably will not let me be a head coach or any type of coach when my when my two twins get of age to play sports. So I'm probably gonna break a couple clipboards. Loved his defensive strategy. Just make sure it's not the one hold the other team's plays, all right? <laughs> That's a corner, Chris. But at the same time, but at the same time, we brought in Mike McDonald. Completely j- changed our defensive structure, structure, development. Completely brought in a guy that was underneath the Baltimore Ravens tree. And one of the best defenses in the NFL right now currently as well, too. Then, after he left to go back to Baltimore, got his reps in, right, in college, beat in Ohio State convincingly. After that, we brought in Jesse Mentor. Second-year defensive Defensive coach, development, recruiting, those are big difference right there. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that sign stealing is a reason why you guys lost the last few years, I'm just going to keep laughing about well, it because no, it's for, First joke. of all, last year we lost because our defensive backs spent more time on their asses than they did in coverage. Well, it's because they were trying to they, – they were also – they were also trying to stop the pass too, and then we roll, opened up the running game after that. It's just, This is all strategy here. So if you're going to tell me that right now that your program's not guilty of anything right now, sign stealing, whatever laws, whatever rules, okay, first, rules first of all, let's, let's clarify. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Let's, let's clarify. Wrong. Sign stealing in and of itself is not an NCAA violation. It is an NCAA violation to advance scout a team in the same season, which is what your boy Connor mm-hmm. was doing. So also, did as well. It's yeah. also an NCAA violation. You guys did the same thing, but a different way. It's the same thing, advanced scouting. And then giving a also, team that doesn't have our signs is a joke. And you guys still got beat. You guys still got beat, Chris. Show, show, show us the evidence on that, first of all. Secondly, came out. already came out. There's secondly, a spreadsheet. Are you serious? Absolutely, I'm serious. Absolutely, and second, uh, the science thing like I said is not the violation. It was the way he was doing, or, or the in-person scouting. Absolutely, Secondly, how he did it was weird. Electronic surveillance is also, you know, uh, is is also a violation. And for Jim Harbaugh to say he doesn't know anything about it. What's he doing? Play, playing the playing the head coach's part there at Central Michigan? I don't know who that was. I don't know who that is. He knew exactly what was going on. So did those two offensive coordinators, or the two coordinators, rather, that he was standing beside carrying the clipboard on the sideline. By the way, what the hell is an analyst doing on the sideline to begin with? They're not even supposed to be involved. You're telling in me right now that's how we've... 
next couple of years? I guess we're going to find out in two weeks, aren't we? Because that's bullshit. The product on the field right now, we have 15 to 20 NFL draft picks for next year. That's development. That's changing of coaches, getting rid of Don Brown, and actually bringing I, in defensive strategies. I do believe that you have better coaching right now from the defensive coordinating position. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. I do believe that versus what you had before, the talent is much better. I'm not going to argue with you there. I do think you have legitimately anywhere between 10 and 15 NFL players on that roster. No argument. What I am going to say is that Jim Harbaugh and Connor Stallions put a big asterisk beside everything these guys have accomplished over the last two years because they went out and they cheated against teams that they didn't even have to do it against. That's the bad part. They didn't have to do this against Purdue or Rutgers or Michigan State. Well, you know, given the Kenneth Walker thing a few years back, maybe against Michigan mm-hmm. State. But, you, you know, overall, it was it was a crime of arrogance and stupidity. Cut and dry. I still think it was a one-man show. I don't think Jim knew about this. I think he was blindsided. I think this was a premature suspension right now, which is – childish. I think it was a one-man show coming from a guy that wrote hundreds of pages of a Michigan manifesto. The fact over the Michigan that they got away program. with just a three-game suspension is what's the atrocity here. And and that's the thing too, Chris. So you might be right. You might. This is all opinionated and assumptive, right? So you might Agreed. be right about this. But they've already penalized them right now, which is premature, premature without any other information coming out. So the Big Ten is shooting themselves in the foot with this too. This is a joke. No, because right they, they still I have the ability to come back and further penalize them, as does the NCAA. Yeah, but you need to let, you need due process, right? You need to let the investigation play out. So, do I think there's more information? There was enough evidence to take action. Absolutely, there's enough evidence to take action. I don't think so. I think so it's what, just very it's just what, what evidence, Chris? It is. What, what evidence Not is yet. there? Just, what evidence what, is there? Well, I mean, just the, the we know that Connor Stein, and they've even admitted Connor Stallions was out there on the sidelines, right? He he was out there. He, yeah, had his a, he was out there recruiting in front of, on the Michigan on the Michigan out. sidelines. You're saying, right? He's on their sidelines again. That's a violation. He's an analyst. He's not a coach. That's a violation in and of itself. Second, he was hired full time last year. He was an intern since 2015. But he's hired as an analyst, not as a coach. Correct. That's an NCAA violation. That would be like us putting the four or five analysts we have up in the booth down on the game day. Well, I guess we'll go after Purdue yeah. then too because that guy was wearing an Apple Watch. Uh, and for, furthermore, my, from and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this as well. From what I'm understanding, you know, everybody wanted to blame Ohio State or who Michigan State or whoever for this getting leaked out there. And the fact is that this came from inside the Michigan program itself. That is what I, I am to understand is that the, actually the information came out from inside the Michigan program itself. We don't know that yet, though. So the FBI. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you real. And quick, my question is this: Did it have anything to do with the FBI probe into the no. computer crimes? No. So um, what happened? So Matt Weiss, they did look at him, but it had nothing to do with it. He's off that. The FBI was investigating because Michigan's systems got hacked August 23rd, 
2023. That's mm-hmm. why they were there. That's the only reason why they were there. That I don't know what's going on with that case right now, but that is a separate case to see if this is tied with anything. I don't I don't know if it is. We that I don't know I don't know anything about that case. But they were there for a separate reason. Okay, fair enough. It was just because but, their systems were hacked in end of August of this year. How that ties in, I, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Okay, fair enough. I'm trying to look up if that rule is correct, Chris, that you can't have analysts on the sidelines because I know you can't have them coaching players in practice, they, but I've never heard that they can't. You can't. Uh, hold on a second. I got the – actually, I have it pulled up here. I'm so deep. I'm on an LSU message was, board right now, which is probably not a reliable place for information. I wouldn't go to the SEC for anything. Yeah, yeah they're not They're not too good on rules down there. I mean, if we're going to get into the weeds, too, we can don't look at anything Tennessee, JR. Right. Do <laughs> not look at anything again. Tennessee. I know, but I'm just saying specifically within the SEC. You could become buddies with the uh, with Tennessee here soon, Jason. I say, aren't they planning to? Isn't Michigan planning to leave the Big Ten? I have no idea what's going on there. Yeah, no idea. There, there might be an SEC banter coming soon. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we'll let you know yeah. when that launches. Yeah, we'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. Brand, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I lost so. it here, but it was okay. Well, do your own research on. Rule against analysts being on the sidelines. Analysts analysts are not permitted to do any kind of game day coaching on the sidelines. So what I'm hearing from all of this is that Michigan is a hot mess with violations, JR. Call it what it is. A hot mess with violations. Last year, they let a felon, well, it should have been a felon, but a friendly Michigan judge uh, let it plead down to a misdemeanor. Let a felon play in the Big Ten championship game and a uh, bowl game you know, that the university took no action against. We've got guys committing computer crimes. We've got guys out there breaking NCAA rules. We got Jim Harbaugh buying cheeseburgers and lying about it. It's it's just been a joke since he got there. You talk about Michael Thomas too. You think really Jim knew about this? I'm kinda of laughing about Absolutely. that. We're already under we are already an under investigation. Michigan took at which that investigation, I believe, is he has the kind of arrogance to do it. Yes, absolutely. No, I think he would have told counter to stop after that. So I do not think he knew about it. I think he was blindsided. And and, and that's right. I, I, res, I still respect your opinion. So whatever you want to say is, is fine. And, and yeah, absolutely. But we don't know yet. We don't know. Are we going to find out even? I don't know. I don't know what's going to come of this. I keep an open mind about it. I, I, I can give you a prediction of what's going to come to this. Jimmy's going to pack his bags and be in the NFL next season. Well, that's every year, Chris. Just to, just oh. to avoid it. No, I, I think we're going to sign him to a, a very long contract. That's what I think. I have a couple comments here I want to bring up. Uh, Turtleheads commented at the beginning about Thank you, God. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Wild man, gets a new look since you stole it from us. Just like Harbaugh's side stealing or Harbaugh stealing. So good zing there. Turtleheads. Appreciate that. And then loyal listener, Chris Smith. Uh, you cannot truly believe it is a one man show. I will say, I don't, I don't know if 
I, I have a hard time coming down and saying it truly wasn't or saying it truly was, but the NCAA did come out and say they found that they did not think that uh, Jim Harbaugh knew. So, or, or yeah. any other coaches. So, but we, we don't coaches. know. We don't. We don't know. I think there's going to be some. There's going to be again, more under, information. But again, under under bylaw fifteen, so. it doesn't matter. So right. Yeah. So there is a law. The NCAA does have a law. It's your bet. It's your program. So do I think something should come from this? Unfortunately, maybe yes. But what the Big Ten did right now is a little premature for me. All right, and then we got Chris Smith with another one. Michigan could not deny the allegations and the response to the violations. That tells me everything I need to know. It's true, true. And our good friend, Dre Fame. Go Blue, baby. November 5th, coming. Dre, Dre Fame. Backing up his, his boy, Jason, here. Yeah, Dre, get better, man. Well, wish you could have been here, Dre. Yep. Would have loved to banter with you Real. on this. So, All right, I guess we'll leave it at that. It sounds like to me... Ohio State fans, well, Chris, I don't want you guys to speak for all of your fan base, but Chris, it sounds like to me you're saying punishment wasn't strong enough, and Jason, it sounds like to me you're saying punishment wasn't deserved at all, at least right now. Maybe something later on. Maybe something something later, because there there is an NCAA rule about it or a law about it, but maybe something later. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, let's talk some actual football. All right, so, and uh, we'll let you go first on this one too, Jason. Michigan, 24, Penn State, 15. Uh, Hey, nobody can tell you you didn't play a schedule anymore because you walked into Happy Valley, one of the toughest places to play in college football, and you beat those Nittany Lions down. You didn't pass, you know, I guess you did pass one time in the second half, but it was a pass interference, so it didn't actually count. So, but you didn't have a single pass on the pass sheet or on the the box score in the second half. Uh, the offensive line they had, I think, one play they had like eight offensive linemen in there. It was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts on this one? I mean, I'm glad it wasn't a night game. Yeah, because <laughs> I know it's a very, very toxic environment, very toxic atmosphere there. But um, they they probably got one of the coolest venues in college sports. Um, I thought it was a good win. I know a lot of people are kind of bashing us for running the ball. I'm going to say 30 times, not 32, because I think they're calling, calling the kneel downs, the quarterback kneels as well. But I thought it was a solid win. Solid win. Um, second half, same thing as last year. We're going to run it down your throat. We didn't have to pass the ball. Why? We don't need to jack up the score. We just went out, basically. So we still have that bowl constrictor mentality, what Joel Glatt was kind of talking, just an analogy about us. And that's exactly what we did in the second half. We shut the game down. They couldn't do anything. They could not do a single thing. We didn't have to pass the ball that much. I'm happy to see Donovan Edwards, my boy, finally running into the end zone early on as well, too. Um, I've been kind of waiting for that, kind of waiting for that all year, all season. So congratulations to him. Corum had a hell of a game. Uh, JR, you brought up that offensive line. I mean, we're pretty deep. We're probably like nine guy, eight or nine guys deep right there. So semi-pro offensive line. They played a they played a hell of a game. Hell of a game. I thought we looked absolutely great. I mean, early on, it was kind of it was kind of a struggle bus, I think, with both offenses. But our defense again played lights out. And I'm not talking trash time. Let's remove trash time because our starters really haven't played a full game all year on both sides of the ball. We're really only allowing like under like 30 points all year if you take up trash, trash time. So that defense again leading the country with with least amount of points scored, 
least penalized team in the country as well, too. They played, they played a stellar game, and we controlled the game, and that's basically what we want to do week in and week out. Yeah, that that a uh, huge that you know at the end of the day, Michigan could just basically do whatever they wanted at the line of scrimmage in that one. Um, I did think that Penn State's pass rush was getting there a little bit and providing pressure. Obviously, well, not number a- number forty four is back though too. Right, from right. Scratch. So yeah, he, he's he's a solid football player. Right, uh, but but that's where you got to credit Sharon Moore and his first his well, what he had another game where he was the head coach. Uh, in, in um, so his yeah, second head coach. It was the first or second game of the season. Yeah, I think he was suspended yeah. for the first one, so I think it was the second game of the season. But uh, but yeah, I mean, just basically saying, look, you can't stop us. We're just going to run the ball and we're going to hit you hard uh, and go from there. So, Chris, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, you know, it it was a good win. I mean, it was it was solid. Uh, like, uh, like you were saying that, you know, we had, they had very good defense. I, I really feel like we all know what Michigan wants to do and that's run the ball and they do it well. They have what is arguably the best offensive line in the country. They have a very good defensive line and they win games by winning the trenches and, you know, no, no surprise about it. That's how they went out there and did it. Yeah, for sure. And I think at the end of the day for Penn state, you know, um, you you just you can't let that happen to you, right? I mean, yes, Michigan is known for that, but at the end of the day, you have to at least at some point get in there, load up the box with eight or nine guys, and not let Michigan run on you like that. Now that's, that's what I thought was going to happen because, like, just of what happened last year, we won like what forty-one to seventeen or something. The second half was an absolute blowout. We were running all over them. I thought they were just going to stack the box for majority of the game, and Manny Diaz could not could not stop the run. Yeah, that's what I, I honestly thought at some point I was like, they're going to just load up this box at some point. It's going to be, you know, what happened to Ohio State last year again, because, you know, what was it that jump pass that was to the tight end or something last year? He ran up the yeah, Mullins. Yeah, yeah. Mullins, who is a uh, was originally a linebacker. Yeah, the converted linebacker. First game that he actually played. So they didn't expect anything, which I did not But yeah, jumped over past the love Colson Loveland. Yeah, I thought we'd see something like that eventually, but you know, when when it's working, when you can just run it as much as you want, it's like, why would you try and get cute? Why would you try to do you something different? Yeah, and you know, Michigan football too. We don't we don't like to show our cards. So if we can just keep running the ball down your throat, that's basically what we're gonna do. And we don't really have a guy. I mean, I know there's JJ Heisman talk and and other awards, uh Joe Moore award as well to the for the offensive line. This is probably the most unselfish Michigan football team I've ever seen. They don't care about any of that. That's why it's so hard to kind of pick out specific players from this program. Like, who are our stars? It, it, it's a lot of guys. We're so deep in certain position groups. We just want to win out. Well, you got five stars for sure, and they are standing along your front your offensive line. No doubt well, about converted. it. Converted. Michigan still doesn't get those five stars like the Buckeyes do, but um, development. Development. But, yeah, absolutely. Zach Zenter. Man, he's a beast. I really want him to go to the Packers. Want him to go to the Packers. <laughs> ten minutes, Lambeau Field. Ten minutes away from my house. Um, family man, but Zach Zenter. I don't even think he's allowed a sack or even a QB pressure like all year. They got the guy's actually absolutely playing lights out right now. Lights out. 
Yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, I do want to give some time to Penn State as well. Chris, I'll let you start on this one. Uh, the Mike Yersich fa- uh, firing earlier today. So obviously we had the big Jim Fish- Jimbo Fisher firing that, you know, everybody was kind of going crazy about, which, you know, rightfully so. If you're down in SEC country, you go crazy about that. But um, but the crazy thing to me was Mike Yersich getting fired after this game, I thought maybe something would happen in the offseason. I did not think anything would happen on the Sunday after, but I guess props to James Franklin trying to get out there early for the offensive coordinator hunt. Uh, kind of crazy that it happened to me, but um, I guess this is what you do in college football when you're trying to get out that early. So, Chris, were you su- surprised by it? What were your thoughts? I, I was a little surprised, but not that surprised. Um I'm going to say something that's been out of real popular popular opinion, but uh, I think James Franklin's crap as a coach. I really do. I think he was trying to get out in front of this in the hopes of saving his own job. I really don't feel that he is that good of a coach. Uh, He is a good mid-level coach, but when you're trying to compete in a Big Ten East that has Ohio State, that has Michigan – uh, that even has an up and coming Rutgers team, you know, that that start to actually look pretty good. Still won't get to eight wins, Jr. But you know, they. Uh, I was trying. They're starting to look pretty good. Uh, you know, he he has to do something, and you know, I know that I know the divisions are going away next year, but you know, Fr- Franklin just has not been able to get over that hump with Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, what well, two and seven you know, against Michigan? One two and seven against Michigan. One and uh, he has three total wins in his tenure with Michigan and, and Penn State, I believe. Like I, I, I was, I was pretty surprised seeing that this morning. This is his what fifth or sixth offensive coordinator since the Franklin. Yeah, era. I mean, what is what is going on here? And I think, I mean, I don't know James Franklin. I'm sure he's a great guy. I know the players kind of have his back. Um, but man, at the same time you got to think recruits are kind of given to you in that area as well, too. I mean, if you have like a three or four star that you know you can develop, they ain't going to be going to Maryland, maybe. Well, Rutgers, now they might. probably not. Boston College, no. They're going to go to Penn State, probably. So, I mean, he kind of has a given within that. We're going to talk geography in that area, essentially. But I kind of agree with Chris on this one. Like, I, I just – I don't know why they keep holding on to this guy. I I really don't like, and the offensive coordinator, I mean, the guy's putting up big points. He put up big points this year as well, too. You're going to fire him because they want to give Drew Drew, or uh, Aller more time in the pocket and get strategize more offensive plays. Like, you know, I get that, but this should not, he's been there for what? This is his third season. I, I, I'm really surprised by that firing. Really surprised. Why? Well, again, I, I truly believe it was just to get out in front of it and try to try to secure his position. I really do, uh, especially you know. And now we look at this where all of a sudden Jimbo Fisher's now on the market. You know, there's going to be other out. other coaching seventy five million. Here. That's like hey, the biggest one ever. Could have Bobby Petrino on the market soon. Get old, get good old Bobby up to uh, State College. Well, you even see the Texas. I saw some uh, Texas A and M message boards today. They want Jim. They want, oh, they Jim, want right Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> like I don't, right. I don't, I don't know. I saw the Texas list is not for Jim. I don't think. No, I don't know. Okay. Let me say that I truly believe guy. that I, I truly believe Jim's an NFL coach. I really do. 
I, I, I on Stanford briefly and then the Niners as well too. And that shit storm before that, but yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. No, I just, I just think that with, with Harbaugh's mentality, his experience, I think that he would, he is a good NFL coach. We saw what he did with the 49ers and he had crap for a quarterback with Colin Kaepernick, you know, and, and he took them to a Super Bowl. But I do think the the NIL and stuff like that is helping Harbaugh because I do think oh, Harbaugh is. is better when things are more professionalized. Uh, I think, I think you know, like Urban, like this, all this stuff happened at just the right time because Urban Meyer left Ohio State, and I think Urban Meyer would just be absolutely awful in college football right now uh, with the professionalization of everything and players making money and the transfer portal and everything like that. Everything I've heard about urban Meyer uh, dudes would transfer out of that program mid season if they could. Um, I, now I think he might be okay with, tra- with uh, NIL, but uh, I just don't think he would do well with like professionalized players and how professionalized the locker rooms have become and stuff like that in college football. And I think that's one thing that's really helped Jim Harbaugh is because he is better in those situations. Um, and it's kind of a weird dynamic because you kind of have to be that dictator to be as good in college football and what it was. Uh, but now you can kind of be that CEO run at things the way, you know, it needs to be run kind of like Jim Harbaugh is. Yeah. You look- I don't think, I don't think like that. We don't have as great as NIL is what people think as well too. Like I think we're still in like, um, I don't even want to say baby stages, but maybe a little bit early on compared to other programs as well too, because I mean, it's university of Michigan. So it's kind of tough allowing players to use that block and some other things as, as, as well too. But I will, I will agree with you on this. You, You talk about the way coaches used to be, you know, it used to be, you didn't have to be a good person to be a successful coach in college football. In fact, it was almost a prerequisite that you were kind of a dick. I mean, yeah. for lack of a better term, you yeah. look at Jim, or, uh, Nick Saban, Urban Myers. These, these guys are jerks, man. Yeah. You got Urban going around. Kicking Urban Meyer, hell of a coach. I'll give him credit for Yeah, same thing with Saban. Great coaches. Personally, he cannot stay out of, he cannot stay out of the media though. Cannot stay out of trouble. So I think he'd be a perfect fit for Michigan State. They're not going to get him. <laughs> Obviously, he likes Fox Sports right now, but, but I mean, we'll see. Look, money, money talks. Money talks. You, yeah. you look at Nick Saban. I, th- I think the game's passing him by as we speak. Yeah, his team's looking good right now, but the fact is, the game itself is passing him by. I think. I mean, we'll see. I think the SEC championship's already set too. It is Georgia and Bama, so yeah. we'll see. Well, I think uh, Dre Fame ended it here. At the game, PSU fans want him gone the way I think this is a way to save his job as well. Uh, said another one, PSU fans want James gone. I think that's the way to save his job. So there it is. Dre Fame agrees with us. Uh, you're, you're right there, Chris. I, I kind of think you're correct as well, Chris. I think uh, James is feeling the hot seat. And uh, he wants I mean, to try and do like something a, to save like himself. Again, I just want to reiterate, he's had like five or six off different offensive coordinators. Yeah, that's just insane. Like, this is this is just a roadblock, right? I don't get it. But yeah. we can move on. I just, no, no continuity. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about some better offense with the Ohio State Buckeyes scoring 35 in the first half. And then, eh, you know, three three points in the second half. But, you know, they weren't really trying as hard. Right, Chris? Well, I'll tell you, what happened was they got that big lead the first half. Uh, you know, we finally saw 
a good start to an Ohio State game, which is something we hadn't seen all year. McCord started looking a little bit better in the pocket. Uh, you know, he's been very efficient the last few games. Uh, Harrison Jr., I think, legitimate Heisman candidate, obviously. Uh, really, yeah. the driving, legitimately the driving force of this offense. But, uh, you know, I think Ohio State fans finally saw what they wanted to see out of this team. Over 500 yards of offense, uh, 300 plus in the air, 177 on the ground. Uh, you know, defense, I think our defense has been stellar all year. And we played a good defensive game yesterday, even being down three starters, including our best linebacker and two safeties, you know. So, yeah, I, I think we had a, a good solid win. Now, I will preface it with this. Michigan State, and I'm sure our friends from Victor's Nation can uh, verify this, Michigan State is a dumpster fire. The train ride. So, so, I mean, 38-3, to three, I'm a little disappointed in this score just because I think we should have run it up a little bit more in the second half. I think we should have maybe not had starters in there, but we should have legitimately let our second string go out there and try to score instead of just hand it off the ball. Only because, as we've seen before, you know, back in 2015, it may sometimes come down to that third-string quarterback. And right now we've got a third-string quarterback that's thrown two passes. You know, you need to get the kids some experience. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we, we've had a lot of trash time this year and even trash time against Michigan State. I mean, we we won 49 to nothing. We could have kept our starters in and just completely blown them out of the water. That that program right now, I, I, I kind of want, I, you know, as a Michigan fan, I don't, you know, but like as a football fan, like you see that rivalry right now the last couple of years and it's just, I don't know. It, it's just not good. That program is a freaking disaster right now. Like they need like to the, start from the bottom up. It's like the way the Buckeyes felt for almost two decades. Well, and it's not anymore it, though. <laughs> I don't know if Michigan. I don't know if Michigan ever got this bad, but uh, <laughs> no, but no, they never got this bad. Fu- this but is bad. Even, like, even the rich rod years going down bad. there. Like when I first saw the Mel Tucker thing come out, like I, I thought it was a joke. Like you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Well, and it's also it also goes back to how Mel Tucker ran the program. You know, we talk about development and all those things with Michigan. I mean, that, that is he was the principal portal. Like that that is oh, what a program, God, yeah. that's what a program is built on. I mean, even Ohio State, like they they are built on development. Bring the recruits in, develop them, play them as they get older. Same thing with Michigan. Same thing with Alabama. Same thing with Georgia. I mean, all of these programs. It's about development. Get your guys, keep your guys, and then use the portal to fill holes here and there. I mean, the magic and the luck that Michigan State had with Kenneth Walker and some of those other transfers that year, um, and honestly, players that were left over from D'Antonio, um, you, you just weren't going to get that same luck year in and year out uh, with Mel Tucker. And so I always felt like Mel Tucker was fool's gold. And then when Mel Tucker had his whole debacle happen and he leaves, and it's like you just you had this program in a terrible state and you left. And you left it to Harlan Barnett, which, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for the guy, but I also don't think he's a very good coach at the same time. I'm sitting there thinking, like, this this was the perfect storm of everything bad that could happen for Michigan State. And the only thing that will save them is if they make a good hire, uh, you know, a Jonathan Smith, a a Mark Stutt. has to be a home run hire. Somebody who is good and not, you know, the unknown Colorado coach. Colorado. Now, Barnett, there's a guy who should cry if he gets a win right there. 
Yeah. <laughs> you had Coleman though. You had Coleman. I mean, he's killing it at Florida State. Like, I don't want, know if I want to. I mean, he's good this year. I don't know if I want to put him up with Marvin Harrison Jr. But you had you had talent. You had talent. It's just just this is just a mess. Reed yeah. leaving last year, drafted by the Packers. Like, you guys have the talent, and now you're completely starting from scratch. Completely yeah. starting from scratch. Yeah, so uh, Michigan State, it, it all just comes down to who they hire. But, hey, they have a good kicker. They tried, what, two 50-plus-yard field goals and almost made one, and the other one yeah. they hit. So <laughs> yeah. kicking is looking up for the Spartans. All right, let's look at it's Iowa. somewhere, JR. Yep, yeah, we've got to find a positive somewhere. Let's look at mm-hmm. Iowa versus Rutgers. Iowa, the offensive explosion, over 400 yards of total offense. If you would have told me yesterday that Iowa and Rutgers would both pass for more yards than Penn State and Michigan, I would have passed out. But guess what? It happened, and I was tweeting about it because it was absolutely wild. Uh, thank you, Sharon Moore, for giving us a fun stat to talk about <laughs> with your defense and just deciding to abandon the pass. Uh, but abs- absolutely wild uh, game. Rutgers could just not do anything. Iowa did exactly what they wanted. It seemed like the entire game. Deacon Hill did have the one pick. Uh, so that is uh, bad on them. But I mean, this was probably the best offensive performance the entire season for the Hawkeyes. Jason, what do you think of it? Uh- so, like I said before, we started going live here. Like, I'm a little surprised by some of the scores as well, too. And we're going to get into Northwestern and Wisconsin as well, too. But I have to give Iowa some respect. They, they really have no offense, to tell you the truth. Um, but that team finds ways to win. They find ways to win. Eight and two on the season. Offense, offense isn't great. They're not flashy, right? But they find a way to win. They did put up three touchdowns yesterday as well, too, but they always have a tough defense. It's always it's always tough to win at Kinnick Stadium as well, too. But let's, let's talk about this. So Rutgers, they couldn't do anything. They could not do shit, nothing at all. They literally shut down the leading rusher in the Big Ten, and he had 13 attempts for 39 yards. He almost has 1,000 yards on, the, on this year's campaign. Maybe they should have I mean, tried I don't to know if he – like I don't under, I don't understand. I would have not predicted this score. I know it's at Iowa. I know it's a it's a tough. It can it can be a tough atmosphere at times, but um, I, I just wouldn't have predicted this score. Like the guy, the guy's crushing it. You have a leading rusher. Your quarterback had negative rushing yards. If you want to talk about negative stats as well, too, on the rushing, they had thirty five yards on the ground all day during that game. Just a little bit shocked. Not shocked by what Iowa's defense is capable of, but Rutgers, I know, is a little bit better than this. But they did not come to play. They didn't come to play. Looked yeah, I would have thought it would be another Minnesota-type game, you know, 12 to 10 or something like that, where, you know, they're just cut, the teams are just kind of trading field goals here and there. Uh, I was surprised by all of it. But uh, one thing, hey, that, Chris, I think you'll like to hear is Ohio State transfer Caleb Brown scored a touchdown in this game for Iowa. Mm-hmm. Deacon Hill, pass it to him. <laughs> well, you know, hard hard to come by sometimes. Well, let me just say, I, I do I love Iowa's defense. And I think that this offense was just nothing more than a celebration of the impending departure of their offensive coordinator. 
They are so happy that they're getting rid of Brian Ferentz. They went out and scored 22 points and still somehow managed to hit the under in that game. You know, that's yeah, I, all that offense, and they still managed to hit the under. <laughs> Thanks, Rutgers. Yeah, I was, yeah, this was just a surprising score. Yeah, I would have thought that, you know, Gavin Limsat would at least get loose. I mean, you know, we saw it against Michigan. They had that one big play, and you would have thought something like that would have happened um, to, to, to give them at least a little bit of points. But, no, I mean, Iowa just completely shut them down the entire game. Uh, well, do you like guys... One young guy, dude, like, he just, like – Yeah, just – He just – they couldn't do anything. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They should have ran the fumble ruski. Yep. Shut up. That was going to be my next question. Do you Easy guys feel like, yards. Do you guys feel like this was a little bit of a letdown after the Ohio State game? You know, maybe. I I don't buy into the psychology of the letdown after the Ohio State game. If anything, they should have came out more pumped up, you know, just because they hung with Ohio State as long as they did. Uh, you know, it's this is Iowa. It's let's call it what it is. It's Iowa's defense is just that damn good, and they always are. Yeah, their defense is just good. Offensively, this was a surprising game for them, but defensively, they're just that good. Uh, you know, so I'm not surprised that Rutgers didn't put up 20 points, uh, but I, I am a little surprised they didn't put up at least seven. Interesting. Yeah, me too. And I and I think it's. You know, I think that's coaching to JR, and that's up to the player as well, too. They're, they're, they're their own man. So, yeah, it could have been a let, let down from the week prior, but at the same time, it's like there was just no motivation from them this game. So did, they get bowl, been, did they get bowl eligible and get lazy? Is that what it is? Or <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Said, oh, we accomplished our no, goal. All right, uh, let's talk through Illinois and IU. You told me this is another strange score, uh, just offensive explosion for both of these teams. The backup quarterback for Illinois, John Paddock, over 500 passing yards, four touchdowns for him through the air. Uh, Isaiah Williams had quite the day, over 200 reception yards in this one as well. Uh, Just a a crazy day. Brendan Sorsby showed us that he is – you know, a better quarterback than I was giving him credit for, uh, for IU. So, uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on this one? I, first of all, I like Sorensby. Uh, he played, uh, he played there against uh, Penn state and, and until he got hurt was doing quite a good job. Uh, you know, I think this is a, a kid that can do okay for Indiana. Um, this was not exactly what you would call the defensive struggle we saw from, from uh, <laughs> the Iowa Rutgers game, but uh <laughs> Yeah, no, this was just a lot of sloppy defense and, you know, some really good offense. Um, and yeah, what, what more can you say? 48-45 in overtime um, from two teams that just really aren't that good. So let's what call it think? what it is. What do you think, Jason? I have no comment on this game to tell you, <laughs> to tell you the truth. I think there is talent on both teams. I'm surprised Lucas had like one target, one reception from Indiana, number 12. I mean, the guy's a beast. He's quick. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's just one of those games in the Big Ten. You don't expect anything to happen. And they just put points on the board. I mean, there was just no defense. I mean, yeah. we're looking at two teams that just aren't having a good season right now. But, but do give props to Isaiah Williams. He is tough. 
he's a he's a he's a gamer. I mean, they're both not having good seasons, but if you look at it, it's just so crazy. Uh, because in the Big Ten West right now, Illinois is tied for second. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised? Uh, I mean, it's the most. Are you surprised? It is the most competitive division in college football, and I think that's the nicest way I can phrase it. Um, it, it that's because they all suck equally. Okay. <laughs> it's a it's I've, a dumpster fire there too. It, it is just it's like, like the Big Ten's JV division, essentially. I heard yeah. somebody call it the JV. I hate division. to say it, but yeah, it's bad. Absolutely wild. So, all right, we'll get to the next one. Northwestern at Wisconsin. Uh, Northwestern just exploded in this one. Wisconsin didn't have any answer. Kind of an embarrassment for Luke Fickle. Northwestern wins twenty-four to ten against Wisconsin. Jason, what were your thoughts? I mean, I didn't watch the game. I watched some of the highlights before the show, before we went live here, and I'm a little shocked. And I got to apologize to the Wildcat, too, and I think a lot of big banter had Northwestern going 2-10 and 10 on the year or whatever, but they're 500 right now. They're 5-5. Five and five. I'm, I'm really surprised by that, but I'm, I'm happy for them as well, too. But Wisconsin, I, I don't think this is on Luke Fickle. I know it's his program. I know everyone's going to be targeting him right now, but at the same time, I just don't think he has his players in there. But the Russian, you're telling me you got like probably two decent running backs on this team and you cannot do shit against Northwestern's defense. You got to be kidding me. There's an offensive coordinator that should have been fired right there. Yeah. Who fell long ago? Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with Chris. I I think, I think that the, Ow. They have looked uncomfortable in that offense all year long. Even before Tanner Mordecai went down, they looked uncomfortable with that offense. Well, and Tanner Mordecai just, was back for this one. Right, he was. Right, yeah, he I mean, was even back before, for this game. Right, he was back for this one, but prior to this one, he was out. Yeah. They, they looked uncomfortable when he was in before. This, this is just – Yeah. I, I mean, I just don't feel like the, that this is a good fit. This is not a Wisconsin offense. I, I just don't feel like it is. Uh, Northwestern hats off to him. You know, we talked about the dumpster fire that is Michigan state after their debacle Northwestern, man, they've rallied. This yeah. is a team that I really think has the potential to be bowl eligible. Absolutely. You know, you know, so hats off to Northwestern, uh, you know, for going out there and doing that. And, uh, you know, C- coach Fick, that's my dude. I, I, I'm a huge fan of coach Fick, but, uh, you know, you know, he's got some struggles. He's got to get some players in up there and, and get back to playing a Luke Fickle type of football. Absolutely. Like it's, it's not his team yet. He will he will plug in those players to fit yes. his offensive scheme and strategy. But, I mean, it's not just on Wisconsin's quarterback as well, too. They don't have the receivers. They're just dropping balls out there in this game, too. Yes. They, they, they don't have the talent right now to compete. They, they just don't. And what do they have in rushing? Like under 30 or like 30-some yards or something? I can't remember what they had in rushing, but they, they like, like what is going on here? Like Wisconsin prides itself on a solid offensive line and running the ball. But if you're going to compete with the big boys, if we're talking top 15, top 10 teams here. You're going to have to find a better quarterback. You're going to have to find a better tight end receivers that actually make plays. Wisconsin, Wisconsin just can't run the ball anymore. Those are old school days. You got to be balanced. Do we think that Northwestern hires David Braun? They should. I'm head coach. They should. Somebody who takes this program with what was left of it yeah. and makes them bowl eligible, he at least deserves a shot. Yeah. 
I agree. That's what I think. I think you should be coach of the year. Oh, I don't you disagree. I mean, even even at five and five, even if he loses his last two games, his last two games are Purdue and at Illinois. Even if he loses both of those games, I feel like he should be coach of the year. I mean, if they I, get I bowl eligible, if they get bowl eligible after what was their over under this year, two and a half. I mean, yes. you go from two and a half over under win total to bowl eligible. Like, I don't know how how he doesn't win coach of the year. Um, absolutely wild. So, Agreed. all right, let's move on to another team. Wow. Again, another Big Ten West score. Purdue 49, Minnesota 30. Uh, hey, you got to like to see that offensive explosion after last week. Uh, Jason seeing uh, them put that up and you're like, hey, we just held them to what, 13, but really it was like six. Yeah. It's like 13 seconds left or something like that. <laughs> but I mean, we can't. Yeah, go ahead. We kind of talked about it briefly on that side of the division. So you got two teams in the in the Big Ten West. But I mean, what can I say? It's the Big Ten Wild West. That division plays like Oregon Trip. You don't know who's going to make it up. You don't know who's going to survive. Anything can happen in that division. No one is safe. It's just messed up. But I'm not surprised. So I said it at the beginning of the year. I am su- surprised by Purdue's record. But like... Yeah. I said at the start of the season and to Boiler Express as well, too, before we played them, that this record does not mimic the talent they have on that Purdue team on both sides of the ball, I think. They are a lot better team than three and seven, currently now three and seven. But Minnesota's defense, woof, 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 woof. They could not stop the run. They gave up 350 yards on the ground, four rushing touchdowns, one from their quarterback. And Purdue matched Minnesota's as well, too, with three receiving touchdowns. But hard, Purdue's quarterback, I want to give him credit. That guy's got an arm. He might not be accurate all the time, but he's got a freaking cannon. I mean, they could pretty much do whatever they wanted. And Minnesota's defense, that's on them this game. Oh, no, surprising because Joe, is it Rossi? Rossi? No, Rossi, that's Corona Mines. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the, the the defensive coordinator from Minnesota, I don't think he's any slouch. I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but there's just been games like this this year where it's just completely gotten out of hand. You know, the Northwestern game, late in the game, what, with 21-point comeback, uh, this Purdue game where Hudson Card just goes off. I mean, not really just him, but the running backs, Devin Mockaby and uh, Tracy, I think they combined for almost 300 yards together and three touchdowns. Like, I mean, you, you just – you can't – be letting that happen to you by the team who's dead last in the Big Ten West and expect people to have, like, a respectable thought about you. I mean, we just talked about how David Braun is coach of the year. Should should Minnesota fans be starting to look at P.J. Fleck and say, where is this program going? Because we should not be fighting for bowl eligibility. We should be fighting for more, you know, like, possibly being a ranked team. You guys think that's true, or what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think PJ Flex starting to feel his seat get a little bit warm. I mean, he's just, I yeah. mean, really his teams have underproduced since he's been there. This is a guy who was brought in and was supposed to at least contend, if not win, the Big Ten West. And it, it's just not been. Not even, now, now, I will defend him here. The The best thing he probably had was the year that uh, uh, Ibrahim went down in the first game against Ohio State. Yeah. Or was that uh, 2021? Yeah. 
he had a really solid team there. Um, but but if you just look, this team is underproduced. And, and as you guys were saying earlier, this Purdue team is a good team. This should be a bowl-eligible team, but they've just had so many injuries this year. Offensive line injuries. Their offensive killer. line, a lot of their offensive line is third string right now. Yeah. You know, uh, and we actually had Dylan on for Boiler Express was on with us tonight. And, uh, we were talking a little bit about that. And, and he was even a little bit amazed at the the performance that was put together, given what the, they had on the field. So I think this is a lot about where Minnesota's at right now. Um, they are a team that is middle of the pack in the West, which is honestly, the, you, you look at the West, that is a, uh, I think they might be the third division of the MAC, is what they might be. They're, they they are that bad. I don't know. I don't know if it's that bad, but yes, yeah, I see where you're coming man. from. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, those Wisconsin- did Indiana lose to a MAC score earlier this year? Uh, overtime, but they didn't end up winning. I think. Oh, did they win? Yeah, it was uh, was it Toledo? Uh, Akron. Akron. No, oh, Akron. Illinois. So Illinois they- won by two against Toledo. Yeah, a- Akron was. Well, first of all, Akron is the basement dweller in the MAC. So, but that's the thing: Indiana's in the East. <laughs> they are in the East. Yes, they're dead. They last are in the East. East. I mean, they should move into the West. Illinois, they, they should the be honorary the West, West because they suck that bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's not good. Those those wins against Wisconsin, like I know you can't take them away, and I'm not trying to do that here, but it's like no, I get what you're saying. They don't look that great anymore. I mean, it's not as big. They as really a, don't. I mean. Still a big rivalry and everything, but it's like now I know I I know PJ I, I know they're getting a decent, not going to say great, but I know they're going to get somewhat of a decent recruiting class in next year. So we'll see what he we'll see what he can do. But I mean I don't know, man. Like maybe I mean personally I probably would have fired him a while ago. But who else are you going to get? Right? Who are who else you're going to get? And that's always the second question when you talk about firing your coach. Same thing with Penn State too. Which I mean. Minnesota, Penn State, where you're going to head coach at, right? So they got a better chance. But at the same time, like, man, I think if you see another two seasons, another two seasons like this from PJ and he can't do anything with this next class he has coming up, he's gone. Just don't see it working out anymore. Got to make a change. Yeah, I was talking with a uh, – I think he was a Minnesota fan. I don't know if he had a profile like that on Twitter today. And he, he made a good point. He said, look, <clears throat> when CJ's – you know, with CJ, when PJ stick is going, he's really, really good. You know, row the boat, you know, all that stuff. When that stuff is going, he's really, really good. But, but when that stick is gone, he's gone. I mean, he, he is no longer the coach. You know, he feeds off of that, like underdog, we're going to row the boat, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but if he doesn't have that to feed on, you know, he, he doesn't have the motivation. I mean, he is, the, he is the definition of an emotional leader who thrives on his emotion and being built up and, and being more. Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer was like that in a lot of ways. That's why you saw him drop really bad games against like Iowa and Purdue uh, because he was just this, you know, very emotionally driven leader. Um, and I think that's kind of where PJ Flick, you know, can be at his worst is when he doesn't have those high emotions and those high motivations. So well, Purdue he's just kind of made some, <laughs> He's got he's PJ's got to make flex got to make some changes on that coaching staff as well too. I feel like every game motivation that he has because I do love him as a head coach, but like it doesn't incorporate into the actual game plan itself. It's just basic, 
There's never adjustments, really. There's no changes. I'm not saying that they don't do those things sometimes, but it's it's not. It it just doesn't just doesn't come off. I mean, I give him. I hope he succeeds, but I give him a year or two after this season. Yeah. Just don't see it. What were you gonna say, Chris? Well, no, I was just gonna say Purdue took that or and just went ahead and shoved it right up PJ's backside. But uh, you know, I think the end of the end of divisions is gonna help a lot of these teams that you, you look at a Rutgers, uh, even maybe an Indiana. The end of divisions, I think, is gonna benefit teams like that. But I think it's only gonna make it worse for a lot of your teams in the West. Because now they're going to see the Ohio States and the Michigans more often. Well, and the Oregons and the USC. The Oregons, the well, USC. Those four Pac-12 teams, though, they can't play defense. Do they have an upper edge for recruiting and everything? Yeah, absolutely. But you might see some surprises still next year until they actually incorporate like somewhat of a defensive plan. But yeah, hey, the divisions. USC. In right the divisions, like, it's a distant. Chris is right. You, you, those teams in the Big Ten West, like. I mean, they're not going to see a Big Ten championship. And even if they do go, they're going to probably get blown out because it's been a while since they even won one from that side. But at the they same never time, won. I mean, they're going to have a, the they Big never, Ten West. The Big I thought Ten Wisconsin West won. I think that was I thought Wisconsin West, won wasn't one it? year. I thought that was before it was the West. We're talking legends and leaders. Yeah, legends and leaders. Woohoo. Yeah, go back to those times. Well, the, yeah, because the Thanks the legends of leaders that was when Michigan State beat Ohio State the one year too. Yeah, how yeah, many I, years did we have that? They just one or two. What's that? How many years did we have legends, legends and leaders? Two, yeah. two, two, two. Yeah. It was a stupid idea. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to see a, a benefit from the West Side being the Big Ten championship anymore, and honestly, like probably rightfully so. But I kind of do feel that. Well, and it's kind of nice too because, like, at the end of the day, and I think you guys can both agree with this. The, the Heisman hopeful for the Big Ten is going to be decided on November 25th, right? It's either going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. or J.J. McCarthy. One of those two is going to emerge and really put themselves out there as the Heisman hopeful from the Big Ten. But if you look at it, like it's either going to be Michael Penix Jr. or Bo Nix at the end of the day because those two are going to face off in the Pac-12 championship. And, you know, they're going to be the last game that everybody sees before they throw all their votes in there. And that's what happened with Caleb Williams last year. I... I don't think Caleb Williams is all that good, just me personally. Uh, I don't hate the guy. I just don't think he's all that good. I think he's erratic. I think that he throws the ball around way, you know, far, far inaccurately sometimes. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to get into that. But I, I just don't think he's that good. And I think that mostly he got that hype last year after being hurt at the end of the Pac-12 championship game. And everybody was like, oh, look at him fighting through all this. He's such a great player. And I just – I feel like you don't get that kind of magical moment in the Big Ten Championship when you have the Big Ten West winner and the Big Ten East winner. You get it more in, like, you know, Michigan-Ohio State at the end of the year. I think Caleb Williams, I mean, I think he is still a heck of a player, and all you hear about in the media is, like, well, he doesn't have a, a defensive supporting cast. Like, you can't expect him to do everything. Like, okay, let's cut the shit. Like, he's made some mistakes, right? Yeah. We're human. How, how I think he's a hell of a quarterback, but... Caleb? Yeah, how many interceptions did he have against Notre Dame? What was it, like three or something? Know. Three? It's like three or, yeah, something like that. But it's, I don't, JJ, he's had a lot of time where he didn't play. Like I said, we haven't really played our starters for most of the year except Penn State. But 
don't know. It's going to come down to wins and losses, I guess, in these matchups of who wins it, I think. Do you, let me ask you a question. Do you think that J.J.'s Heisman hopes are hurt by the fact that Michigan is a good team? The fact that they have, well, to this point, not played near as much as, as, as they've needed to as starters, and the fact that he has not had to throw the ball near? So you see these teams like Caleb Williams and USC and like, well, I guess like all these other teams that have been playing their starters throughout like the whole year when they don't have to. Um, Honest opinion, I don't really think it would be great if JJ won the Heisman. I know he'd be ecstatic about it. I just don't think he really cares that much. I I, I mean, that'd be great if he won it, but uh, uh, you, your point, Chris, with this trash time. So he's been out. Yeah, it might hurt his, I mean, his stats, don't look the same, obviously, because we haven't really played our starters at all this year. But if he wins the Heisman, I think he's going to be ecstatic about it. That's awesome. We haven't had a Heisman winner in a long time. But at the yeah. same time, he's after he's after the main prize, and that and that's true, Chris. And it's not even really an opinion. These these guys have been JJ's been asked about Heisman. Corm's been asked about the Heisman. Edwards, it's kind of old probably right now, but you know they've all been asked about the Heisman. We had three to start the year. It's it's really a team mentality. I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't have that either. They absolutely do have a team mentality, but it's really just the culture. They just it'd be great, but it's not really what they're what they're right. after this year. But to answer your question again, him not playing more with all the trash time and stuff. Yeah, I mean stats. They look at stats. They look at wins and all that stuff too. They look at key losses. But yeah, it kind of does hurt a little bit to tell you the truth as a football fan. For sure. Well, I think that's what Michigan fans want is they want like the recognition for having a really talented player. But at the end of the day, you know, the coaches and the teammates, they're like, look, just win. Right. If we don't need to play it, we don't need to play it because, I mean, look at Coram. I mean, we didn't need him, obviously, against against Ohio State because, you know, Edwards killed it. But at the same time, it's like we want to keep these guys healthy for the long haul here. That's pretty much what we're trying to do, and this whole team is bought into that. So it'd be great if we won the Heisman. Do those stats kill him from a trash time? Absolutely, but I just don't think that's kind of what he's after right now. Makes sense. All right, let's get to our last game, Maryland at Nebraska. You guys are playing uh, Maryland this week, Jason, so I'm sure you were uh, not in-person scouting, but scouting, (laughs) right? (laughs) I was at home Uh, in my basement watching the game. With with your glasses and your VCR? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is another one. I, Maryland only putting up 13 points. They got the win. I, with how much this Nebraska team turns it over, you would think teams would score on them so much more. But this Nebraska defense is legit. Uh, really, really good at stopping the run and a surprisingly good secondary. I think they have a better secondary than people give them credit for. But this was just, this was a really interesting game to me. Uh, Jason, what were your thoughts? I mean, I don't know. I, I see a team that was killing it. Maryland, I'm talking about. I see a team that was killing it at the beginning of the year. Like, what the hell happened, basically? What the Ohio State broke. Pretty. Oh, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I mean, you still have a quarterback that's a leading passer in the Big Ten. So I, I'm not going to say we're going to blow them out like Penn State did and maybe kick an onside kick when you're up 51 to 15, which I thought was kind of shitty, by the way. But. This is still a threat. This is still a trap game. We know who we're playing the the week after as well, too. Try not to say their name, Chris. 
But I don't know what the hell happened to Maryland. Maybe Ohio State did break them, but, like, I don't know what happened to that team. They got talent. It's just not there. It's just not there. And Nebraska has been, you know, they've lost some games too, but, like, they've been pretty hot kind of at the back end of the season as well too. So, Jerry, you're talking about their defense. I mean, you got to give them credit as well too. I mean, they've yeah. been playing They've been playing their game. They've been playing good. And Matt Rule, hell of a head coach. Yes. He's a culture changer. Absolute culture changer. So, We'll see what he can do with them in years to come. Um, but this this score was a little surprising to me when uh, I did not scout the game. So, what do you think, Chris? Uh yeah, you know, I, I know Nebraska's got a really good defense. I was really surprised to see him keep that Maryland offense in check. Uh, you know, thirteen to ten. That's uh that's some old school football score there. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I kinda, that, that, that's what they used to play in the days when I watched and played. You know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Becca. Yeah. yeah, so you know, it was a good football game. It was a good football game, and uh, I do believe that the better team won. Uh, but you know what, Nebraska—they've got a bright future. They really do. I think, like you said, uh, Matt Rule is a game changer. He is a culture changer, and he's going to have this team competing, uh, you know, for bowl games for years to come. Just figure out the turnovers. I think if Nebraska figures out the turnovers, they are a way better team. Um, makes me sick to my stomach to think I picked them to be ten and two at the beginning of the year, but you know, <laughs> you picked Nebraska to be ten and two. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they don't really play. So what I always look for in the no, Big I think Ten I have West with eight wins, if I'm not mistaken. I, what I always look for in the Big Ten West is essentially who doesn't play Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. And Nebraska only plays Michigan. And so I thought, oh, well, they'll lose that one to Michigan. And then they have a really high talent ratio or whatever. And Matt Rule's a really good head coach. So, sure, they can be 10 and 2 and, you know, maybe at worst 9 and 3. They're sitting at 5 and 5. And I'm sitting over here like, man, why was I so stupid to pick pick them to go that way? Yeah, on on paper, I can see it. Yeah, I mean, you might see. I mean, we'll see what these other teams coming in here, but um, Matt Rule needs his players. I mean, last year was Hausman to Michigan as well, too, like a few other guys. But he's gonna, he's definitely gonna turn that. I think he's gonna turn that programmer. Yeah. Well, I had, I had some hope when they beat Purdue because they were what one, two, three, four, five. You're they talking were five about and three. Team. What? What they was it, five- guys? Last year. Where, how many games did they lose by like one possession or one? Score? Oh, it was yeah, ridiculous. It was like six six like eight, eight, eight. Six, yeah, six, yeah, yeah, it was eight. I think wasn't it? Eight, yeah, I think yeah. it was. I'm pretty sure it was seven or eight. Like that's and and we're not talking about just last season. Where I mean, look at the year before that as well too. I mean, they've lost these close. They cannot finish games. They yeah. they are on the cusp of being a good team, and now I think they have the head coach to do it. I, I think that was Scott Frost's kind of legacy is is the one possession loss. You know. First, did you did you guys watch the first game? So Nebraska at Minnesota. Yeah, it's like you almost had that curse again. Yeah, yeah, you almost see the same thing again. It's like okay, this isn't going to change. Like it doesn't matter who the head coach is; it's just going to happen. So I, I don't know, but I, my opinion is, is I think we're looking at a pretty solid football team up and coming right now. Next year, ten and two. <laughs> Uh, no, no. <laughs> not yet. Not that crazy, huh? <laughs> not that crazy. 
All right. Well, hey, uh, you guys got any final thoughts on the Big Ten or just in college football in general? You guys think Georgia's going to be number one? Anything else you want to bring up? Georgia should have been number one from the go. I'm, I'm sorry. I, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote uh, Michigan's boy here. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Georgia hasn't lost a game in two years. They deserve to be there. Uh, I think after the having a big win, they're going to be there. Well, they lost to Bama in the SEC championship two years ago. So one game. Yeah, one game in two years. But yeah, sorry. Uh, you know, no, but I, I, they're back to back national champs. They deserve to be there. Uh, I think it's going to be a flip up between for for two and three between Ohio State and Michigan. I think Florida State probably stays solid at number uh, four. Although, you know, I, I could really make an argument for, well, I did say for Washington, but really they struggled a little Dude, too. That, so. Yeah, that, four, that four spot's freaking tough right now. Like, I think that four spot's really up for grabs. It would not surprise me if Bama doesn't get in there. Should they go in and win the SEC championship game? Yeah. You'd almost probably have to put them in after that. But, yeah, I think I think Georgia beating number 12 Missouri, which, hey, Missouri has a hell of a football team this year. And then you beat. Absolutely demolish Ole Miss. You have Bowers, Brock Bowers back as well, too. Georgia should be number one. Um, man, I don't know about the two and three spot. I, I, it, it's I think it's a coin flip at this point. It's probably, honestly, as a football fan, it's probably going to be Ohio State. It doesn't matter at this point because we meet each other in a couple of weeks. But um, it's going to be, a, Chris, you're right. It's going to be a toss-up. It, it, Ohio State was already ranked one, so I'm just going to be a football fan. So Ohio State's probably going to take the two spot, Michigan the three spot. The fourth spot is just, I don't know. Washington should have already got beat a few times. Yes. Uh, Florida State should have got beat a few times already, yes. too. They got lucky in that Clemson game as well, too. But, like, um, man, I I, I really feel like this could be a season. There. Yeah, I feel like this could be a season where you legitimately could see the top two SEC teams and the top two Big Ten teams. If if the two, if, if, if Ohio State Michigan is close, I think both of them make it. I think if Georgia goes in and loses to, to Alabama in the SEC championship game, I think both of them make it. Well, see, that's what I think is is interesting. I think if Bama beats Georgia, I think they both make it. I I don't think both Ohio State see- and Michigan make it if Florida State and Washington both stay undefeated because I think they're going to honor that undefeated for them. But I think if one of them loses, it's very possible that – or if both of them lose, uh, it's very possible that the Ohio State or Michigan, whoever loses, uh, could sneak then, in. I mean, you have Washington who should have got beat already. They already beat Oregon. But, you know, them two are probably going to meet for the, the Pac-12 championship. So if Oregon beats Washington, doesn't Oregon get that fourth spot then? That's true. Well, and I, I think, think Oregon's going to win. Think I, I think Oregon's going to win I, that yeah, one. They look, Oregon's they better than Washington. They yeah. look hot right now. I think Oregon's better than Washington. Uh, I think Florida State. I think Florida State. I mean, Florida's not a, not great this year, but I and Graham Mertz, whatever. But I think Florida State potentially loses to Florida. That could happen as well, too. So it's like it, this would have been the perfect season, I think, for almost a 12-team playoff or at least an 18 playoff or a 16 playoff or something because it's they're going to have a mess on their hands. I said from I don't the beginning know. should have been eighteen playoff. That would have been the best thing in my mind. Is give the it's power five be conferences not happy. Yeah, yeah. Give the power five conferences an auto bid. Give a bid to you know one of the G five conferences. Whoever finishes 
the best out of them and then give two art large bits. You didn't need to go any more than eight, but James you know. Madison put them in. Well, they can't get in because of that stupid old man. <laughs> free, free yeah. the monarchs. Dude, they're the leading rushing defense right now too. I believe they yeah. were right uh, in front of Penn State. Yeah, I think I put them at eighteen in my rankings, and I made a lot of people they, mad. They couldn't even <laughs> put Liberty in again. I put Iowa at twenty-five. I couldn't do Liberty yet. Just can't do it. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, hey, thanks guys for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, we, we had a long episode, but we had some good discussion about Ohio State and Harbaugh and all that stuff in the Big Ten uh, in week th- 11. So uh, we'll come back for the week 12 preview on, what is it, Wednesday night? Uh, Tuesday night, we have our basketball show. I'll have three guests on for that one. Brant, the CEO of Big Banter Sports. Burke from Often Daunted, the Indiana Basketball Podcast, and special guest Adam Jardy, the uh, one of the beat writers for Ohio State, and he has his own podcast about them, is going to be there to break down some of Ohio State and Indiana, get through that, and we'll also break down other Big Ten games as well. So check us out then. Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. Check us out there. We appreciate it. Have a good night. Oh, H. Come on, JR. I owe.